What's up party people? You know one of the worst things about being a self-employed performer? That's right, it's your tax. If you're sick and tired of collecting all your receipts and guessing your way through your tax rebate, well, I know the people that can remove the stress and make it as simple as 5, 6, 7, 8. That's right, it's Theat Accounts. They're an accounting company that specialize in working with performers. So they know all the things that we can claim back and it's so simple. You upload your invoices and bank statements to their website and they do all the work for you. It's cheap, it's easy and once you try it I guarantee you will not regret it. It has changed my tax life. Just email info at theataccounts.co.uk. That's theat, T-H-E-A-T, accounts. So again, that's info at theataccounts.co.uk. Make sure you tell them you're from the Ins and Outs podcast and you'll get some five-star VIP treatment. You will get treated like a king. Honestly, they've changed my life. They've made it so much easier. They've removed the stress from tax and they can do the same for you. Boom. The Ins and Outs Podcast with your host, Kane Silver. In this episode of the Ins and Outs Podcast, I speak to Antoine Troop. Antoine is a professional dancer and choreographer. He tells us about his journey and how he got to work with Prince and this crazy moment where he met him for the first time. He also tells us about Creative Minds Dance Academy, which is a dance studio now in LA. And he tells us a bit about that and what they offer. I had a great time talking to Antoine. Please go and check him out on all social medias. I'll put all his information in the bio. Here is Anton Troop. What is good, bro? How are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for squeezing me in your schedule. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. I know we've been trying bro. to make this happen for a while. Yeah, I was, sit- I was literally buzzing. So Will messaged me this afternoon like, I woke up, I don't feel well. Can we reschedule for Tuesday? And I was like, yeah, for sure. I was like, you know, you like, I had, th- I had down in my head that I needed to talk to people today. <laughs> and I was oh, like, right, right. yo, I was like, let me see if Antoine's free. And I hit you and you're like, yeah, I was like, win. <laughs> yo, but that's, yo, that's the recipe for a winner right there. It's just, you, you got to pivot and make different moves if it doesn't work out. Well, well, it was just one of those who've been trying to get it together for such a while. I was like, let me just, let me just see. It's a long shot, but let me just see. And it worked out. <laughs> Absolutely. Happy to be here. Thanks, bro. No problems, bro. How are you doing? How are you finding? How's, uh, how's COVID life? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm sh- a lot of ups and downs, I'm sure, just like everybody else, you know. Uh, there's, like, opportunities, definitely. I think that's what it is for me now. I'm just choosing to see the opportunity in it. Um, mm-hmm. And I know there's been a lot of, like, devastation to a lot of people's lives and businesses and everything like that, you know. And, and, I, and I don't take that lightly at all. And our thoughts and prayers are with them. Um, but I, I just mean just for me, like moving forward, like I'm just trying to see where the opportunity lies within all of this, you know? Yeah. When you say about opportunities, you mean uh, self-opportunity, business opportunity, work opportunity? All uh, I think both. I think both. Yeah. Like, what does this mean for Antoine? Like, what, do, what can I get out of this? Uh, I mean, I like being at home anyways, but uh, obviously not when I'm forced to, but um, yeah, just seeing how I can grow in this time. And, you know, I have a million ideas. So tending to those ideas, seeing what works and what I want to go through with and follow through mm-hmm. with and what can 
you know, be tossed out. And the same thing for KM, just, I think everybody who has a business has to kind of restructure their business mm -hmm. and do for things sure. in a new way. So there's restructuring and then there's also like trying to see where there's opportunity for us to kind of like make the best out of this kind of situation. Like how can we mm -hmm. use this to do something better than what we were doing before? Yeah, I guess it's about utilizing what you can do to make it work for your old, I guess, what you were doing before. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, the, the like, mission is still the same. It's just a different platform. Yeah, for sure. Like now, obviously, online classes is the new thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Even though I don't think it'll ever replace being in person. But I think... No, no, no. I think we're uh, students, I guess, and business owners have had to adapt to the situation. I think now, in the future, when we do go back to normal, there'll be more acceptability to it because people have tried it and it works. I fully, fully agree. Fully agree. Do you know what I mean? So It'll I think be like maybe, a hybrid. yeah. So I don't think it's going to be so much pressure as in like, oh, I need to go say from the UK to LA to train, and that's the only way to do it. I would never really pay for an online platform because it's not the same. But now we know that it works. I feel like there's so much more opportunity for that now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's opportunities to utilize it in in a way that people aren't yet. You know, we're just mm -hmm. we're just getting started. You know, I think there's a whole lot of power in in technology and in the internet. Mm. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Is I mean, actually, we've already been working on something for online virtual training for like a couple of years. Yeah. So, th but this has just kind of sped things up for us. So yeah. now it's like, so now it's like instead of that being like a project, and in behind the scenes, now it's at the forefront. Mm -hmm. Basically, is what's happening. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a time where people either adapt or they sink. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like you've got to utilize it and make the most out of it. Is I see a lot of people, especially online, like really struggling, uh, mentally, and they're like, I'm depressed, I'm bored, I'm this and that, and I'm like, I feel you. Uh, but you have to you, I've tried to approach this with the mindset of like this could be a long thing like so we can't stay in that rut you, we have to conform and go right how can I make the best of this situation what am I allowed to do that's safe and that I'm allowed to do do you know what I mean by government that's rules exactly the mindset. And, and utilize that to the best of your ability yes. so you come out the other side stronger no Exactly, exactly. And every industry goes through changes. I mean, the world goes through changes, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, when the industrial uh, era, what's it called, industrial age? Like, mm -hmm. shifted things for the entire world. Everything, once machines got in, involved, everything changed, you know? And yeah. same with once social media got introduced to the world, everything changed. And your business now had to be on social media and you gotta promote and that's where everybody's looking. So advertisement and marketing changed because of social media and you know Netflix changed everything. So it's constantly changing. You just got to be smart. And there's people like <clears throat> there's people like Amazon that capitalize off the change, mm -hmm. and then there's businesses that choose not to engage and they go out of business. Yeah, you know the world's sure. the world's gonna keep changing. Your industry is gonna keep changing, and you have to change with it or adopt it in some kind of way. Or you're going to be phased out and no one's no one's spar spared from that you know i don't know if you saw it but here uh in the uk i don't know if it was aired out there you might have seen it online but 
Dua Lipa did a performance on a TV show and still hired her dancers and had them perform in their living room and had like eight shots around her and had the band at home playing and zoomed everyone onto the screen. Onto oh, the I did see TV that. Show. I, see, I, I did I, see that. I saw that. I, I was that. just like, as if they're still creating like platforms yes. for us to do our stuff. Like this is gangster. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, this is sick. Like how many Yeah, times? Yeah, Calvin, yeah. Calvin's been working. Like he's still doing jobs choreographing music videos like everything from home they're just getting creative with it people still working not yeah. a lot but people are still working. <laughs> not, not as much but it's still work but then yeah we, we shouldn't be spending as much either though because we're not at federal yes. <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah yeah what's it like over there are you are you guys taking care of like what's the situation so when you're so if you're employed via a contract or like working for a company they've done this thing called furlough where they give people 80% of their wage um the okay. government do but if you're self employed they're doing we we haven't got it yet but in june they're going to assess our last 3 years income that we paid taxes for and give wow. us a, and give us 80% of wow. what we of what we would have averaged out you know what I mean? So when you're self-employed, it's different, right? So say you don't earn for two months, but you exactly. only earn you earn for ten. They spread those ten months throughout that year, but they're gonna do that over three years and pay us for the three months so far, eight percent of what we would have earned. Which is Got great, it. but it's just for self-employed, it's like we we don't have it yet. Like, you know what I mean? I'm quite fortunate where I've kind of been I'm not super duper broke and I've got a roof over my yeah. head and we've I've paused the mortgage. But for some people like right. who've got to pay rent and stuff like that, uh, uh, dancers, I'm like, yo, how are you surviving? Like, yeah, I've I've hard. even got a part time job delivering food, like three days yes. a week. I'm like, I'm not yes. too proud. I'm not too proud to pay my bills. Like, I'll do. Yeah, what no one should be. Money now. No one. <laughs> should be, no one should be too proud. Too proud. I'm actually glad you mentioned that. I think us as artists, dancers, whatever, have to do better with that. Like setting pride aside and doing what you need to do to to make sure your financial situation is looking like it needs to look. Mm -hmm. I think even some dancers that have started to work a little bit shouldn't be too quick to quit their job. I know people are excited to have that moment. Like I quit my job. I'm like going full time. Like I understand. And you'll know when you're at that point, you know, mm -hmm. when work is coming in. But I think uh, for longevity's sake, like make sure you have some consistent, I would set a goal of a certain number you want to have coming in that month. Mm -hmm. And if dance isn't providing that fully, oh, but it is partially, okay, that's great. Now figure out how you can make sure that other part is taken care of as well, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. We definitely have to be much better with our um, money as mm -hmm. artists. Yeah, well, I, I remember my time in LA, I was broke. You know what I mean? Like, cause we're not allowed a, a real job. You know, we're not allowed the nine to five there if you're on an one visa. And I was just like, and now I'm home and I, I can make whatever money I want doing any job. I'm like, I'm never going to be in that position of that stress again, of going, can I eat this week? Like, I'm never going to be in that place right. again. Do you know what I mean? So now it's right. kind of like, I'm like, yo, I'll do what it takes to put bread on the table. Like, <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to prepare more people for that, you know, because the younger you are, the more of an advantage you have with that kind mm. of thinking. You know, when it comes to saving and investing, it's it's a numbers game, it's a time game, mm -hmm. you know? So if people can grasp that at a younger age, they'll be in a much better situation. Yeah, for sure. And I've never been good at that. It's only since like 
I bought my place with my partner. Like we bought our own place. And then it's like, oh, you've got commitments now. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't go, I don't know if I'm going to pay rent this month. That can't exist anymore. That life. Like, right. <laughs> you know, I've had to make yeah. changes. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nah, 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 nah. nah don't nah, work nah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> so bro, I want to, I want to get an insight into your, into your journey and your life. So the, the whole reason I started my podcast was because uh, I listened to a lot of podcasts like two, three years ago about health and fitness and stuff. And I couldn't really find many on performing, not just dance, but I speak to actors, singers, like any kind of creative, any kind of performance in the entertainment world. Um, and now there seems to be loads of them, which is dope. <laughs> I'm like, oh, everyone's doing this now, which is perfect right. because I feel like it's such a great way to share information that people can't get in a studio. And I feel right, like as a, as a dancer, we're kind of conditioned that the only place we go to learn is in a studio. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to go training. So where are you going? I'm going to go to millennium. I'm going to go to base. I'm going to go to KM. Like that's the, that's our place of learning, but there's so many yeah. other opportunities to, to learn which, which weren't ever really utilized before technology, I guess. So that's yes. the whole point of this. So I w I'd like to know a bit about you and your journey and hopefully we can inspire people and, if there's things we'll branch off on down the way, that would, I'd love that. And just to hear your insight and your journey to educate people who may look up to you, you know? So how, yes, did, yes. You, how did you get into dance? Like, what was your step into the dance world? Uh, professionally or just in general? Like just, just, just in general, just dancing. Uh, it started with, like... You know, back in like middle school, I, I always thought like all the little party dances and trendy dances that the kids at school would do were were cool. And I would like secretly practice them at home. I was way <laughs> too shy to show anybody. I like would not, <laughs> you would, no one would see me dance. So no one really knew I danced until like high school. And I think it honestly was like my family started telling people, like some of my cousins started going to the same high school as me. Mm -hmm. And they started telling people that I danced because my family knew. They were the only ones mm -hmm. that knew. Um, but, but yeah, it, it just became this thing where it was like, that became my special thing because I wasn't like the jock. I wasn't the cool fashion kid, fly kid, you know? I, I wasn't really cool at all. If anything, I was more so like really quiet, really shy, um and and kind of like really depressed honestly when i was in mm -hmm. high school so dance was that one thing that i could do where i could escape i didn't need anybody i didn't need to be around anybody i didn't need to have any conversations i didn't need to be social mm -hmm. i could just go in my room throw a song on and escape everything so it was more so like a therapy to me it was like my drug of choice when mm -hmm. i was in high school you know uh -huh. and it wasn't really even about being professional at first it just was I needed it to escape all of my problems, you know? So how did then, you know? Go on, go on. Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, long story short, it just became more and more serious. I actually ended up dropping out of high school, and dance was my only thing. Like, it was it. And I was like, I need to make this work. I was like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I have dance. This is it. Let's go. And I just fully dove in everything, put everything yeah. into it. Yeah. What I was going to say is, how did you know, like, what to do? Like, if you weren't going to a studio to take class, and bear in mind then we didn't have 
Instagram or YouTube to watch really like yeah like what were you doing to learn like I remember I, I used to just I didn't really want to be a dancer I just wanted to be Justin Timberlake so I just copy what he did on the TV and be like look I can do it like you know what I mean there wasn't a this is a wave this is a Fresno there was no the understanding of anything I just copied what I saw how did you know what you were doing yeah uh, Omarion was my uh, Justin Timberlake <laughs> so he, I was he just, became mine once I knew what dance was. <laughs> got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah, it just was like music videos, uh, little dance DVDs. Uh, you got served, watching that a million times. A million and five um, times. Yeah, and then whenever I would get a like in-person encounter with a professional dancer or somebody I thought would was dope, it was like that stayed in my mind so so like it was so readily available it was so like how can i uh uh say it it just resonated with me so strongly mm -hmm. and stayed with me so i would just get in my room and would replay that image in my head of the whatever they were doing and i would just drill and train and train and try to get it better and better and better to try to look like the people that i looked up to that's what it that's really how it started for me and then you just start doing your research and diving deeper. I'm a very like hardcore researcher. I'm kind of like mm -hmm. a nerd. If I want to <laughs> learn about something, I'm going to like obsess over it. I want to know yeah. every single thing about it, whatever it is, you know? Uh, so that's how it was for me with like, you got served. I would read the credits of all the dancers, all the dancers' names. Mm -hmm. And then I would try to like, research them as much as I could and try to find different things they were in, mm -hmm. you know, and that's how it started for me. And it, and, and in a way, there were some things that were better about that time than, than it is now, you know, um, I think because people have so much access that it, it's not, you don't know where to look anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't know what is the real thing. You don't know what is professional or what is TikTok. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's all, <laughs> It's all out there delivered it's, in the same way. It's so accessible. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so accessible. It, it, whereas it wasn't accessible to us. So I think if it if you saw it on a TV show, I mean that's the only place you'd see it, right? So obviously it's at a high level because it's on a TV show and it's professional and there's credits. You know, you're watching yes. the credits of you got served and it says all the dancers' names, you go, Oh, it's this. That's what they do. Yeah. Whereas I guess now, if you're just going on TikTok and type in challenge, like <laughs> you can see any old crap and you go, you're going to get everything. Yeah. yeah. And it's so distracting. It's we're in the age of distraction. It's really like a sickness at this point. Um, like going back to my, me growing up, you know, I had that like one music video that didn't, I couldn't rewind. <laughs> it was like, you had that one moment to take it in, yeah. you know, and I would live off of that. Yeah. You know, I would go in my room and go ham for hours and hours and hours. I wasn't distracted. I wasn't trying to show off for anybody. I wasn't trying to, you know, I think, and, and this is not to bash social media because social media, there's a lot of power in social media. Oh, it's and it's allowing, and us to, it's allowing us to even have this conversation right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there's pros and cons to it. But, but yeah, you, there was just so much less to so used to cherish any moment of greatness that you got to witness so much and you would just feed off of that for so long and just train on it and drill and do whatever you can it was much more special so i think people were uh were were 
cherished it more. They just cherished yeah. it more. You know, like, I, I remember buying that You Got Served DVD when it first came out and you could get it. And like, I, I wouldn't even watch the film. I'd just skip to the dance clips. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I'd, I'd watch it again and I'd try and learn the choreo from watching, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you're right. You cherished it. Like, that DVD was my pride and joy. Like, it was everything. <laughs> it was everything. And now it's like, you can, you can consume that much amount of content all day, every day, like a, a million different versions of it, you know? So I just think there's, it's not clear what is the real thing, what's quality. And I think people are so distracted with like, I gotta post, I gotta post something, I gotta post something that they're not focused on getting better at what they do and really training and being great at what they do. I think there's so much pressure to just put something out, put it out, yeah. anything, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, just get it out, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's taken away from, um, you know, fine tuning the craft, really honing in on the craft, you know? I love that part of it, like working on the art, you know? Uh, it's become so much more than art now. It's just a part of culture. It's, a, it's like having a conversation. Yeah, I f well, especially when you put it with social media, it's kind of like brushing your teeth. It's like, you know, you wake up. I, I mean, I'm guilty of it. Wake up, yeah. brush my teeth, check my phone, make a coffee. Like, it's, it's like part of the daily ritual now. <laughs> like, without yeah, even realizing, but it is. Yeah, it's literally a part of being social now, you know? You, you, you have conversations, you meet up and go to places, and you film dances and post them online. <laughs> like, that's, that's what society yeah. is. It's not even like, <laughs> it's not even let's just train and let's meet up and train. It's like, let's train, meet up and film something. <laughs> like, yeah, bro, I've been having conversation. It's like so common in conversation now. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, I've just filmed a bunch of videos. I filmed a bunch of TikToks. And, like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's really, it's really thing. Which is, you know, if people are happy, like, I honestly, I honestly don't care. I, no, I for just, sure. I just think we gotta, um, I think it just needs to be clear what's what. Mm -hmm. So when you, you said you dropped out of school, right? And yes. dance was your in. Then how did, what did you do? Like, how did you, you just still jamming in your room? Yes, <laughs> no, but uh, I, I became obsessed. Uh, <laughs> I had a crew that I was uh, rocking with called Triple Threat in Fairfield, California. Mm -hmm. And um, we were training, I was choreographing for that crew. Uh, and then I ended up um, joining a crew called Supreme Soul to do America's Best Dance Crew. I know Supreme right? Soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we did America's Best Dance Crew. That was my first taste of, you know, being introduced to professional dancers, you know, cause some of those crews had working dancers on it um, that that lived in LA and, and it gave, gave me that first taste of tv film how 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 it all works right mm -hmm. there were parts of it that i liked there were a lot of parts i really didn't like that kind of uh turned me off mm -hmm. so uh i went back home and tried to make it with my crew and uh to make five years condense it into um a short story i essentially just remained a student of the game kept pushing made sure i knew who everybody was trained as much as i could uh mostly it was with crews Eventually all my crews had broken up and that was like a really rough year. Besides just dance, it was like everything in my life was like, everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Mm -hmm. And I started to feel like depressed again, like how I felt in high school. And it scared me and I was like, I don't want to go back to feeling that way again. 
I need to change everything. You know, it was like that rock bottom moment, you know, yeah. that a lot of people have. You hit that rock bottom and it's like, all I can do is go up for here. What I've been doing before hasn't been working. So now it's time to shift everything. And uh, that's what I did. And that's when I decided I'm moving to LA um, and I'm going to study every successful person I've ever heard of. And I'm gonna try to learn what it takes to be successful. Mm -hmm. Dancer or non-dancer. And at the time, it wasn't much dance information. There was no podcast. There was no this. There was no in for, yeah. what, for what we do, you know? So that's why I love that you're doing this because it's needed for sure. So there was no information out there. So I just studied successful people in other fields. A lot of Will Smith, a lot of Muhammad Ali. Uh, eventually, it took me into other people. It took me into like Tony Robbins and all those kind of like mm -hmm. speakers and all that. And like they say, success leaves clues, right? So mm -hmm. I just took what I had learned from all these successful people, this panel of successful people. Now, what are they all saying that's the same? The different little, different things that they're saying that they don't agree on, we'll let that go. Mm -hmm. What are they all, what, what do they all agree on, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to success? And I took those things, you know, those habits and reading and, and the way they think, the mental habits and thinking positive and affirmations mm -hmm. and all these different things that they do daily and applied those to myself. And that's kind of when things start to shift for me. That's when I started to change, like who mm -hmm. I am, my, my programming and my mind started to change. And I took those things that I learned from other fields and started to apply it into, into dance. And, and honestly, things just started happening pretty, pretty fast, pretty mm -hmm. fast for me. It was, I was in LA for like a year and my first year, I wasn't expecting much. I just wanted to learn. I just wanted mm -hmm. to like, and I think everybody, if you move to LA or at London or wherever you move to pursue this professionally, um, don't expect too much in the first year. Don't expect too much in the first couple years. Take those first couple and really just learn as much as you can, train as much as you can, observe how it all works, what works, what doesn't, why mm -hmm. people are winning, why they're not, and then figure out how you're going to approach all Yo, of it. I love that you said that. That's like the best thing I've heard on this damn podcast in almost 92 <laughs> episodes. Because what happens here in the UK is, and I don't think it's the same there, but in the UK, most people who want to pursue this as a profession go to performing arts college. So they'll go and do three years training. They'll learn all their techniques and prep, train in enough field that they can go into musical theater or whatever they want to do. But I think they have the assumption that once they've graduated and they've done those three years, then they're qualified and then they should be working. And they don't leave there with the, the mindset of, okay, what do I learn now? And how long is it going to take? They just leave and go, well, I'm ready because I've done the training that I've paid for for three years. And it's a, it's a shared load of money. Like it's expensive yeah. as hell. So of course yeah. they were gonna, they're going to think they're qualified. And that's what they're right. told. That's what you're sold, right? If you come and train, when you leave, you'll be industry ready. So right. when they leave, they have the mentality that I'm going to go and book all these jobs. And the, some are lucky that they do. Like yeah. some are very fortunate and they're talented. So that's why they do. But that's where I feel like you see the ones that drop off, that don't continue pursuing it because they're not in, still in the same mind frame as I've got to keep training. They just wait for yes. something. To, they wait for that job. Like, well, I haven't been employed and it's been six right. months. I must be bad. <laughs> and, and exactly. And that's exactly it. And it's not even because they couldn't be successful. It's not because they don't have the talent and the skill to be successful. Mm -hmm. It's all mental. You mm -hmm. know, it's the psychology of it. It's, it's how they're interpreting the circumstances that they're in. They're thinking that it's me and there's a problem with me. That's why things are not taking off. 
No, there's some people who didn't get their first job for like five years, six mm -hmm. years, seven years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Before things like changed, you know? I know um, Sienna Lyons, seven years. She worked mm -hmm. a regular job in LA. Which is mind-blowing. <laughs> like Insane. She's so she's insane. talented. Ridiculous. But that's that's her story. That's how long it took for her before mm -hmm. things shifted. No, I'm not saying it's going to take that long for everybody, but you need to more so be focused on, okay, who am I becoming during this whole, this whole, during this time? And how can I apply these things that I'm learning to my career? And, and, and it's so much more than just dance. You can't just be like, I'm a good dancer and that's enough, you that's know, <laughs> or I trained with this person or I went to this convention. That's great. And you need to do all those things, but you can't just rely on that alone. Like mm -hmm. it, this is a game. That's one thing I've learned about this, this industry. It's, it's, it's constantly a hustle. So for anyone who's watching this, listening right now, that's you have to be prepared for that it's a constant like hustle there's no it ain't no like you get to the pinnacle and i'm chilling now i ain't got to do nothing like mm -hmm. no it, that, it doesn't that, work. That, that job ends and you audition again <laughs> exactly you know, you know what i mean you gotta you gotta stay tuned up you gotta it's just like any athlete like think about like kobe bryant dominated for years for years Mm -hmm. His training never stopped. It wasn't like he had a few good years, got some rings, and was like, I'm a coast now. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, no. well, have you seen, I, I think every person who is in any field where they're trying to strive, have you just seen, have you watched The Last Dance yet? I haven't seen it yet. Bro, like, it's just, it but, puts but into perspective I, why, ahead, he was so, why he was so great. It yeah. just puts it all in perspective. You go, of course he was the best. He was working yes. the hardest whether he had to or not. Like, exactly. of he was the best, you know? Exactly. And that's what makes the difference is, like, if you have to have a coach in your ear every second, you're going to be very limited to what you're going to be able to do. You know, and I'm sure a lot of people on those teams, they need a coach to mm -hmm. hype them up and to tell them to work hard and tell them what to do. But people like Kobe and Michael, they were their own coaches. Yeah. They were their own motivators. They put it upon themselves to take the responsibility and be like, I'm gonna get in the gym before everybody. And I'm gonna leave after everybody because I wanna be that great, you know? So, so, so yeah, if you wanna be that great, you have to take it upon yourself. You have to discipline yourself, especially cause we're in a field, we don't even get a coach. At least no. in, in the NBA, you get, a you get a team, you get a facility. No, you have- as You a get a schedule. <laughs> right. We have ourselves. And we have to figure out all on our own, you know? So you have to really be disciplined and, and put that, put that um, pressure on yourself, or not pressure, but challenge yourself to pull up and mm -hmm. push yourself. So when you first got to LA, you said that, you know, you, you waited a year till it kind of kicked off. But once it kicked off, the ball really got rolling. What did that year look like for you? You said that you wanted it to be like, you know, you were just there to learn what who's like what classes were you taking because i feel like a big thing is now is that lots of people take classes without the understanding of why they're actually taking the classes you know i don't uh, think people i don't think people look at classes very often and go what am i gaining from these classes that i'm going to apply when it's my career they're just going because it's the hype at the moment or it's what's current and what's popular they're not thinking what they're going to take from it and apply it to their to their industry right yeah 
I'm gonna be honest. Most classes did not help me at all with. Oh, my okay. <laughs> okay. Tell me most. more. Tell me more. Most, not all, not yeah. all, but most. And um, uh, Michael's class, Michael Wilson. He'll train I you. I can credit him. <laughs> yeah. He helped me a lot because he's an actual teacher. He's an, he's a he's a trainer. He's really like a trainer. He's like a next level of a of mm. a teacher. Um, so he's special. Yeah, so he'll hold you accountable, and that's what I needed, especially because I was good. I think that there, there's a bad thing sometimes about already coming to LA being pretty good, you know, mm. and and people maybe knowing your name a little bit that also mm -hmm. that can hurt you in the fact that people won't tell you what you're doing wrong. They won't critique you. They'll just yeah. keep putting you in the groups because you're the name. People know you kind of, and you're you're good enough, but they don't say anything for you to go to the next level so michael was really good um with that and and the reason i say many classes didn't help me in my career because i don't think it was really dance that necessarily super helped me it did you have to be a good dancer obviously mm -hmm. but that's kind of like the very base basics yeah. of being a professional dancer you know so i would say like it, it was like more so the conversations that maybe happened in class or like a note somebody get i took Lyle's class one time and it helped me for years <laughs> because of one thing he said. Do you remember? I don't, it? The, I don't remember what the choreography was. I don't remember what the steps were. Actually, I know it was, was it Usher? No, I know he was on tour with Usher at the time. But yeah, I don't know what the moves were, but I remember he said something like, uh, dance with your bones. So like, don't use all of your muscle. He was like, use your bones. So that just that concept of dancing from inside like mm -hmm. dancing not with a bunch of tension but still having control shifted things for me you know like i you like again going back to not having a lot of resources back in the day months years i was you that was in my head you know or things that sean has said or things that michael like i said have said it's more like like a note or like a word or a concept that mm -hmm. really helped me a lot so it's the words that they said and then also um studying non-dance stuff mm -hmm. helped me the most because i had a different approach and a different perspective to business to the industry to marketing myself to branding myself i learned from others that have been from industries that have been in existence before dance existed before dance as an industry existed mm -hmm. you know what yeah. i mean people have been making money obviously way before this you know what i mean <laughs> like <laughs> before we started making money we're we're yeah. new so mm -hmm. i wanted to learn from the people who have been doing business from the from both um regular businesses that have a product or service uh, and as well as like entertainers you know and yeah. other artists and other art forms that have had an industry before dance you know so taking all that stuff and just applying it to to dance is what helped me i think the most because we're still super new it's like what late 70s 80s is when things yeah. started to really like pick up for like hip-hop and urban dance and industry stuff you know so for sure what was your first break in la what was the what was your first two break well, your first gig i guess um choreographing for prince was the yeah, first I, I i remember that like i remember yeah. when you, you got that gig and i was like yo like Cause I'd seen you lots in class and I'd spoke to you and I'd hung out with you, but I never knew you as a choreographer. 
Do right. you know what I mean? I knew you as a dancer. You were the dopest dancer. I was like, if you, go, <laughs> and if you. you bust a, and if you bust a freestyle, you'd like, yo, this dude can get down. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then yeah. next thing I knew, you're choreographing for Prince, and I was like, yo, but we were next to each other in class the other day. How do you right. go from like taking class together to the dude's choreographing for one of the greatest artists of all time? <laughs> you know, w with obviously you had choreographic experience, like with crews and stuff, but. You know, it's not like you did like your baby artists and worked your way up. It was yeah. like, bam, Prince. Right, how right. Did that, how, how, what, what was that like and how did that come about? Yeah. Um, okay, well, one thing I will say is like, I've always kind of been, I've always been creating, you know, I've always been making up stuff. I've always had my own, my own perspective, my own thing I wanted to say when it came to movement, like since the beginning, you know, um, even when I would try to learn, you know, an Amarion wave or something, I would then take that and be like, okay, now what can I do with it? What's my spin on it? You know, what's, mm -hmm. what kind of concepts can I come up with? All that kind of stuff. So I've always kind of been creating and choreographing since the beginning. And before my crew, I had a crew with my family and uh, like a church group, like a church dance that group. Sick. Uh, and I was the best dancer in the family. So naturally I was the choreographer of the, <laughs> of the group. Uh, that's how it goes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then, and then my crew and then, uh, and then other and then eventually like starting to teach and and then directing another company and all that kind of stuff um but but i think i've always just kind of had my own unique perspective right mm -hmm. and yeah so like i said i moved to la i had a year of just observing watching what's going on what works and and mind you i'm, I'm like applying all those habits that i've learned from like the successful about affirmations and really like um the law of attraction and manifesting things bringing things into existence all that kind of stuff reprogramming my mind building myself up starting to open myself up to the abundance that the planet has and all that's available to me talk, talking myself up constantly and also working on my craft constantly mm -hmm. and so basically to like what happened is there was a girl, it's crazy. This is a long story. I'm trying to figure out where to- where It's to okay, start. it's good. We, we got time. I'm intrigued. This is a crazy story. Okay, so Danny Lay, you know Danny Lay. Everyone knows Danny Lay now. <laughs> yes. Me and her used to be together back in that time. And she, Prince had found her first, right? Prince found Danny and asked her to be in his music video. He was coming back, releasing new music. How Prince finds people, no one knows. But there's so many people out there like Danny that have this like crazy Prince story, <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, so he found her. Um, I'm trying not to make this too long. Basically, he wanted her to put the whole music video together to find the choreographers, dancers, produce, produce the whole thing the production team, all of it. I wasn't involved at, at first. I would be and her just to, together and I'm helping her. I was on tour. I wasn't even in LA. Mm -hmm. I was on tour. I was just like through text, helping her, like supporting her throughout the whole thing. Right. And then um, she needed a choreographer. There was a other, there's a choreographer that she had in mind at first that just was flaking. You know how mm -hmm. choreographers can be mm -hmm. like, she told him like, hey, Prince wants me to do this thing. I have to send a video, blah, blah, blah. Did, the choreographer didn't end up showing up. So I was like, yo, what about this person? I recommended Nicole Kirkland because mm -hmm. me and Nicole Kirkland were working together 
And we had also like done a show with Danny and her sister. So like we had recently just worked all work together. Yeah. So I was like, you like working with Nicole. Why don't you just use Nicole, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, she was like, you know what? I, I, I will. That'd be a good idea. I'll, I'll do that. She hires Nicole. This sounds like a crazy story, especially because like <laughs> where Nicole has gone, where Danny has yeah. gone, where I've gone, it sounds like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so so uh, she hires Nicole. They're, they start working on it. I'm still on tour. I'm finishing up tour. Tour finishes. I come back. By this time, it's become this whole big thing. It went from like, we thought he just wanted her to be in the music video, like be the lead girl, to her hiring, what, 20 dancers and all this other yeah, stuff. She's right? creative directing next. Like. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so then once I get back, get back, me and Nicole are like, back, we're like best friends back then. We work all the time together. Danny's my girlfriend. So they naturally, I ended up coming in to choreograph for the guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this happens. Then we do the music video. Um, and I really treat the music video as like, that was like our audition to show yeah. that we can, we can do this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we should keep doing this. <laughs> uh, so we do the music video. Uh, he loves it. Um, there was a moment where surreal, crazy story. Looking back on all this, it makes no sense. But we we went to we were editing the music video. We meet up with the editor at his apartment. I don't even, this random dude. We meet up with this editor at his apartment. It's me, Danny, some of Danny's family, Nicole, all there, and then Prince comes. <laughs> what the hell? Just an apartment. <laughs> Please yes. tell me this was in an apartment by Debbie Reynolds or something. That'll blow my mind even more. Like. Random apartment, <laughs> probably like in Studio City. I think it was in yeah. Studio City. Random apartment, Prince's driver. They come in this like black Escalade, pulls up in front of the apartment complex. He like messages Danny and then Danny's like, he's here or whatever, super dramatic, right? He's here. And then um, we go to greet him. His driver stays out there, car running the entire time. Yeah. And we're in there for like hours. The dude is just sitting out there. Like we can see out the window. Dude is just sitting in the front waiting. Crazy. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so, so uh, it's all of us in there. Prince is sitting down with us editing the music video and he's like i love this i love that blah blah, blah. This, is our, this is our first time like really talking to him conversing with him interacting mm -hmm. with him in person um so yeah so to make a long story short that was kind of like how we got in he loved the video he loved us he loved working with us and then uh eddie was good uh yes, and then uh and then yeah he just was like Y'all inspire me. Uh, I want y'all to do blah, 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 blah. And yeah, we worked with him for like a year pretty much straight after that. And then yeah. then he kind of slowed down. And, this, and then I think he, he, he passed away not too mm -hmm. long after. But um, yeah, that's yeah, crazy. That's... I can't imagine that. Just like, he's here. What? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Who's he? Weird. <laughs> like, like, who's he? <laughs> it's so weird. So cool. It's coolest dude, though. Like, 
he taught me a lot. Like, I think definitely who I am as an artist and a business person, I, 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 I owe some of that credit to, to Prince and just some of the principles that he instilled in us when working with him, just, just off the cuff comments that he would make, you know, about either art or, you know, I, I really learned about, you know, protecting your art, artistry, your image, you know what I mean? Who you are, like owning your influence is what I learned from Prince because people would try to exploit him because of who he was, his, his super fame. People would try to exploit him, both like media people or just anybody would try to exploit the Prince name. And he was very protective of like his right, like he owns his rights to his music. And um, like, he didn't want to get on YouTube or Instagram because he was like, I don't, I don't own YouTube. I don't own yeah. Instagram. I want, I'll, I'll do my own Instagram. That was kind of his, his thinking. Yeah. Eventually he got, he eventually he got on YouTube and Instagram and everything, but to him, he's Prince, a, le a living legend. Yeah. You're some new app. Yeah. Why would you're not, I you're not owning me. <laughs> like Exactly. Why would I bring my influence and my celebrity to your app? You know, yeah. that was kind of his vibe with that whole thing. So, um, so yeah, I learned that about like really protecting and owning what you have and not just giving it away and allowing people to exploit you for your 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 power, you know? Mm -hmm. So but yeah, cuz I guess that's dope cuz he's this huge star and if Instagram just started and it's brand new, like he's not going to make them famous, you know? Like Exactly. <laughs> because they would friend. love to be like, yeah, Prince is on a Prince is on Instagram. Like yeah, yeah. that would be in every you know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Especially when it first popped off. <laughs> like <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So did you know after that that you wanted to be a choreographer? Were you still trying to pursue being a dancer? I, I always knew I wanted to be a choreographer. I always knew it would end up with me choreographing. Um, mm -hmm. And if I could have like got to LA and instantly start choreographing, that's what it would have been. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to like, I wanted to do the dance thing. I, I didn't intend for things to take off that quick. Like I didn't, and I would not, I, I, I'm, I can't even say take off because it wasn't like I did prints and everything changed because that wasn't the case at all. Um, but I definitely wanted to, uh, I definitely wanted to dance and get that experience in. And I think that's what, I probably could have stopped dancing sooner than I did, but I, I wanted to be able to tell people like, I, I, I've been on in your shoes. Like I fully did it. Yeah. So, so when you're in charge, you can relate to them or go, exactly. look, I know how you feel. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I knew, you know, mentorship and training and teaching um, was in my future as well. So I wanted to be able to say to dancers, like, look, I've done this job, that job, that job. So it's, I'm not speaking, I'm not telling you from like assumption or guess I've been in your shoes. So I, what I'm telling you is I know it will work. I know it can work mm -hmm. for you. You get, you get what I'm saying? Like there's, yeah, there's, sure. there's a few jobs that I didn't really care to have on my resume, me personally, but I know it would mean something to other people, you know, when, the next you're, mm -hmm. when you're showing them your credibility of why you're teaching them to them. It exactly. Means a lot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, what brought you to opening KM Academy? Hmm. So I think any business that starts, it needs to start with, uh, from, from necessity, 
You know, you need to fulfill a void, a need in the in the in a market, right? Mm -hmm. So it started really organically with us just realizing LA was starting to change because of social mm -hmm. media. And the LA that people dreamed of coming to was gone. It was starting to lose a lot of that essence. It, well, you know? I can tell you like the LA I dreamed of going to wasn't the LA that I went to. Right. You know what I mean? Because it was around that time, like 13, 14, like what I had in my head and what all the stories that people had sold me over the years. When I went, I was like, I don't see this thing that you're all selling me. It was still dope, but it wasn't yeah. the same. No, you know no. I mean? So that's where, that's kind of where it came from, from us feeling like, man, like we want to create the LA experience that people have in their mind when they're back at home, you know? And, and also beyond that, it's just like, we wanted to help some people win that we believed in because we knew a lot of talented friends or talented up and coming dancers that should be seeing more success than they were having, but they just needed to sh make some shifts, some small shifts, mm -hmm. you know? Get your look together, get your resume together, or you need to change your thinking, change your habits, mm -hmm. or you need to do more, or you need to work harder, whatever it was for that person. Um, we really wanted to make sure we gave them a space where they could get the proper information and the proper training from people who are educated in that realm. You know, like Kalani Marks has been training dancers for years. Ma he has the studio with like the most dancers that have casted for Monsters. Like every year he has at least one, if not like three, four people in cast, right? Um, and then me with all my experience in the industry with both dancing and choreographing and, mm -hmm. and both of our um, experience with self-development, personal development outside of dance, we wanted to to give people all of that, you know, mm -hmm. everything that we've learned, not to be like us, not to be like Antoine, be better than Antoine, be better than mm -hmm. Kalani Marks, learn mm -hmm. from our mistakes and do more and be better, be, be better than us. So that's essentially the thinking behind KM. It started with us doing once a month free invite only trainings then it was like, we did that for a while. Then we were like, what if, what if we go bigger and we audition a cast of people and we do like 20 dancers. Mm -hmm. And it was really like out of curiosity, like what can we do? How much impact can we have on this group of people that we believe in? Mm -hmm. um, and that was free. We did that at Nappy Tabs for like- I remember that. I yeah. remember you used to session with people in Nappy Tab studio. Yes, yes. I remember that. We did that for six months. It went really well. A lot of people, you know, started seeing a lot of success, started working a lot. Uh, probably the number one person out of that, that round of people is Kachi. We haven't seen Kachi since then, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> like after that, it just like took off for her. Um, and she's been going ever since. But, um, but yeah, we just started seeing a shift in so many people and their confidence. And once your confidence changes, you start seeing yourself different. And then you wanna, okay, maybe like, maybe if I, what if I cut my hair? What if I do my hair different? What if I dress a little bit different? What if I work out a little bit more? Like how far can I take this? So people's confidence started building up and they just started making changes in their life and their career changed. So we were like, how, let's do this again. We did another round. Um, we did a couple rounds um, for another, like another year. And in the midst of that time, we decided we need our own space. We realize this is needed. Um, it's working and we're renting so much space um, yeah. because we started doing it weekly. 
like three times a week, which is crazy. Like I talked to Kalani the other day about it. We were doing like 18 hours a week and mostly just me and Kalani training everybody. Insanity. Um, were you charged? You were charging at that point though, right? <laughs> yes. Once we got yeah, to yeah. weekly, I was like, "Thank God." <laughs> yeah. Once we got to weekly, we were we were charging. When we were doing like once a month or like four days a uh, four days straight, once a month, we were paying, paying for rental space. It sounds nuts now, but we were yeah, we were doing that, and um, yeah, and then we just continued to scale it up until yeah, we got our own building, and that is an insane story and a lot of work and a lot of challenges and a lot of headaches and nightmares, but a lot of good too. Uh, so that's how, how and why KM started. It's, it's a very bold move. Cause I, I feel like LA is not short on studios. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like there, there's, a lot, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of places to train. There's a lot of studios. So to be able to open one and be able to offer something unique and different, so that it'll succeed because you don't need another ML. You don't need another millennium. No. What, 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 what do you think it is that separates you from the other studios? Yeah. Um, before I answer that, I think there, there's a lot of different saturated markets. It's really just finding out how to, what's your approach? What's your niche? Cause there's so many people, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Yeah. You know, you don't need a million people to be involved in your business for it to be successful. You know, you just have to be different enough for a certain group of people to be to committed. Be successful. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. For a certain loyal group of people and you'll be fine, you know, because the quality of your circle. Exactly. And there's, there's, I mean, there's a million coffee shops, like there's mm -hmm. a Starbucks and then another Starbucks down the street. <laughs> and then there's a coffee bean right around the corner. And then there's a mom and pop coffee shop over there. So there's not a lack in, in coffee shops, but each one appeals to a different crowd. Like one may appeal to a more older demographic. The other may be to a younger demographic. The one is for people who want to like sit down and work. The other is for people who want to just grab and go. You know what I mean? So, as long as you have a business model that is different, then you can survive and it caters to a different demographic, then you can survive. And that's what we did is we just wanted to create something that is different, which is like, we're more so focused on membership based, mm -hmm. which there really isn't that in LA. So our members train, it's really about getting the right people in the right room and that mm -hmm. students, and teachers, the right teachers that really are great teachers and mm -hmm. students that really want to develop and really want to grow and mm -hmm. want to be great and want to have a long lasting career in this, then they're sure of that. You know, those are the people we want. We don't want the dancer who just, not we don't want, but we're not focused on the dancer who just dances recreationally. You know, mm -hmm. we're not focused on the dancer who's who's trying to be on a competition team. We're not mm -hmm. we're not focused on dancers who are just trying to get a workout in, you know, that are maybe like an older demographic. We mm -hmm. want the like 16 to 24 year old dancer that just left school and needs guidance on their career and is serious about their career and is serious about their training. That's, mm -hmm. that's who we want, you know? And we mm -hmm. just focus on them. And every studio kind of has a different kind of demographic that they uh, are appealing 
to, you know? For sure. Mm -hmm. 100%. So, so yeah. So what I like is that you said it's kind of a membership thing. Do you mean that like they pay like a membership like they would a gym membership? Or that exactly. they, they're part of a company and they have to attend certain classes? It's more like a gym. Yeah. Okay, so, that's, that's or it's more like a school. It's more like a university or something. You know, you have your classes. You oh. can go or you cannot go, but you're still paying the money. So you probably should go. <laughs> oh, okay. That's dope. You know? So it's up to you what you utilize. I want to say this. Um, you, you really need to charge for your services and you need to charge in a way um, that is congruent to what you are giving and whatever you are doing, like don't ever hesitate to charge what it's worth. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm saying is not just for you and you financially being taken care of, that's important too, but it's also your customer is going to respond different if it's free versus it's charged. Mm -hmm. If they're paying for it, they're going to be more committed. They're going to be more involved. They're going to respect it more because they're exchanging something for it. And that's something I only learned through marketing books and business and entrepreneur books. You know, mm -hmm. you like, that's what you need to do. And, and I think uh, a lot of us, we kind of ruin the market, ruin the, ruin the, uh, and when I say a lot of us, a lot of people in the dance community ruin the market and we struggle to, raise our rates because people will take lower rates just to get an opportunity. But what mm -hmm. you don't realize, like, for instance, if, if I'm teaching like a whole business course right now, but oh, for it's, instance, it's dope. It's dope. I love it. If, if, if like, there's a lot of studios, right. And there's a certain rate that you're expected to pay for class, like $15 and up. It's like 15 to $20 in LA. Right now, some people would think, okay, well, if I create a studio and I just charge $10, everybody's going to come to me. Maybe that may work for a couple months, but then that's going to force all the other studios to charge less as well, because now that's what the market expects. That's what students expect is only $10. Mm -hmm. So now if we all go to $10, then what probably what's going to happen next is that studio that was at $10 before. Now they're going to be like, oh, I'll charge seven. Mm -hmm. So now it's a race to the bottom, right? It's a race to like a dollar a class. And now you ruin the whole entire market. And now, you know, we all go out of business, right? Mm -hmm. So it's understanding certain things like that, which allow you to, to exist and, and continue to grow your business. You know, all of us are responsible for the market. All of the studios are responsible for how well classes as a whole do. All dancers are responsible for how well we do or how much we can charge when it comes to working a job, you know? Mm -hmm. Once you set that rate, that's what's expected from your clients, you know? Yeah. So it like also like conventions, there was one convention that started to pay their, their teachers a certain rate. So then all the other conventions had to start matching that rate if they wanted to be able to keep their teachers, not lose their teachers to other conventions, yeah. you know? Um, so that's an instance where it worked out well. You know, at mm -hmm. least for the teachers, it worked out well. Those rates started going up, you know, oh, and yeah. now people can make really good livings on conventions. I no, don't even know where we started, but we're here. No, now. I, yo, that, was so, that was so good for dancers to hear. Because yeah. it's the same as when dancers take a gig for less money. The, say the more experienced dancer won't take it. It's the same thing. And that's a big thing that happens here in the UK. 
Like we've got now Dancers Network. It's kind of like um, yes. the American one. We've got Dancers uh, Network like now. Alliance. Yes, like Dancers Alliance. Doing the same thing as Dancers Alliance were, trying to prevent that. But it happens a lot where like, you know, say 10-year veterans won't take the gig because it's 100 pound less than it should be. But then straight out of college kids, they're like, it's an opportunity to go on a TV show and I'm going to get paid. And I've done my three years training, so I'm qualified. I'm going to do the job. And then they realize that they can never make an actual living from this profession. <laughs> like, Yeah, it, 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 exactly. We need to be pushing for livable rates. At least yeah. livable rates. We're not even in, like, at least let's get there before we start talking about wealth, right? Mm -hmm. Let's at least get to a livable wage. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, this is going to kick us off in 45 seconds. Can I end sign back in? And if people want to yes. ask you some questions, they can. Dope. Yes. Let's go. No problem. Bam. Right. We're back in. Back. Um, back. Yeah. No, man. I think it's so dope. And I feel like it's, Dancers, we don't, really, we don't talk about the business side of stuff very much. Mm -hmm. And it's important. You know? we, need to, we need to start having more conversations about that. We need to make it more normal to have these business conversations, the money conversations. That's the only way our industry is going to grow. It's the only way it's going to get better is through educating people. I know people are so excited to get on the stage and, and have the attention and the lights and the blah, 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 blah. I, I fully, I fully, fully get it. But you also have to think about your future and your, and not ju just your future, but your family's future. Mm, Are you going to be able to, you know, take care of your family, pay, pay rent. If you have children, are you gonna be able to pay, take care of them? Like mm -hmm. all those kinds of things people need to start, start thinking about. And I know when we get in this, we're so young and that those kinds of things are not really on our mind, but they need to be. And I know I'm going to do my part and, it looks like you're doing your part as well to make sure that those kind that kind of information gets out there, you know? Yeah. Because like I said, this isn't something that you're taught in the studio. Like, yeah. Well, uh, yours. <laughs> but, well, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. I, I was never taught at the studios I went to, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So that's the whole point of this, man. So um, I've saw one question, but peeps, if you've got questions, put it in the little question box. So it's easier to find. Um, Drop them. I did just see one, which was a good one. Uh, any advice to dancers slash creators on how to become traveling choreographers, the process or what was your process? Uh-huh. So first, uh, the first thing you want to do is make sure you're at a space in your dancing first where you, where you have enough vocabulary and enough training to be able to create. Like you have a deep well of information to be able to pull from and create from. Uh, I would probably uh, assist people first. And this is not the way, this is not how it happened for me at all. This is not how it happened mm -hmm. for me. But if I was to recommend anybody else, or if I was to like go back and do it over, this is probably what I would have done, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, start assisting someone first. Uh, well, get to a certain place in your dancing, then assist people. Um, start creating, start putting stuff on people. I would do privates. First, I really learned how to teach from doing privates, you know, because I took it upon myself. I wanted to be a great teacher. I wanted to tr be a transformational teacher, be able to take somebody from here to here and know exactly how to do it. So I would, in my privates, I would try and experiment so many different techniques and tactics to pull different things out of people. And then I'd use those tactics in my bigger classes, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so I would do privates and figure out who you are as a teacher first, what your approach is, what you need to do. Um, and then from there, once you do start teaching, 
I would probably uh, start local, start somewhere small. This, this is the same thing with everything. You want to start small. Don't try to go for the biggest studio with the hypest classes and blah, 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 blah. Start small, get your feet wet, get comfortable, learn, get better, get better. Eventually start recording your stuff, start putting it out, start asking people. I would ask people if you can come teach at the city over, the next city over, you know what I mean? And then you get further, you go to a, in a studio an hour away, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, you document that kind of stuff. Always, um, everything that I'm saying, I'm assuming at this point, you're a dope teacher. Yeah. I'm just gonna preface it with that. At this point, I'm assuming you're a dope teacher. So you're a dope teacher now, you figured it out. Now you need to document yourself teaching and put that out into the world in these different places. So the more people see you in that light, the more opportunities will come to you, you know? And also your word starts to spread. People talk and they say, you're great, you're so great, you help them, you, people love your work and how you teach, all that kind of stuff. Word spreads and then opportunities start to build. But I think the biggest thing for, you know, starting to travel and teach is people need to see you in that light first they need to see you consistently doing it and then they're like and then they'll start to be like oh i want him to come over here and do that for me um and networking making connections come to go to either london or la or atlanta um where you can train with you know some of the best you know get in those classes so that you can be seen more and and then it just continues to build from there. Continue to put yourself out there. Um, and then you'll get to a point also where you start to figure out like who you are, what your brand is, what your thing is. What your, your niche. <laughs> you would, yeah, and, and your brand, your personal brand, because people throw that out so much. Your personal brand is not something that needs to be manufactured or concocted. You don't need to become something else. Your personal brand is who you really are. It's just amplifying who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's packaging who you are so that you can tell your story in a in a way that's clear and concise and and people can instantly see something from you and know what you're about and who you are. Mm -hmm. In in every way, like the colors you use all the time need to represent who you are. What you say, like the captions, what you talk about need to represent who you are. The way you post, how often you post, all those kinds of things need to represent who you are, you know? Or mm -hmm. I really like mentorship. I love like coaching people. So I wanna make sure that I'm showing that. I get content that shows me mentor mentoring in, in a way that's like really valuable, not just like, Oh, I just want people to see me talking, but no, like capture what I'm already doing. Not, not me going to try to do something new. I'm already doing it now. Just have somebody capture that and put that up, you know, mm -hmm. like, so make sure your Instagram, your website represents you well and really showcases who you are. And that takes you spending time with yourself and discovering who you are, what makes you special mm -hmm. and what you want to represent and what your message is to, to the world. So, that's a lot of words, but that's a, pretty much the entire journey. Because I feel like a lot of people get so caught up in what the steps are and not actually what skills or what, what other things they're teaching you. So you, you need to be able to teach the room more than just a combo. 
they should leave there with a knowledge and understanding that they can carry on to the job or to the next class or to they can learn something from you and pass on that message to the students they end up teaching back at their small school in wherever alabama or something like yeah. deliver more than steps because i feel yes. like that's what's going to separate you from being uh, a good choreographer who can make up steps and an educator yes and, and i would recommend every single person if you teach if you're a teacher and you're in this uh chat right now you're in this live always start with an intention like for you personally i i i also have the dancers you know close their eyes and set an intention and all that kind of stuff but i don't go into a class with no goal with no intention for what i want to get out of it um i think if you start with that one it it, it takes the pressure off of you because mm. i mean when i'm setting intentions i'm not like i intend for people to think I'm super cool. Like that's not my intention. <laughs> my intention is like, I want to make sure people grow from this. I want people to leave feeling better. I want people to leave happy. I want people to leave mm -hmm. excited. I want people to leave thinking, whatever it is, I make sure I set that intention in the beginning so that my, um, my classes have purpose and are moving in a certain direction. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people just start class with just like, Oh, here's another class that I'm just, going straight into just here's the moves you know mm -hmm. and you if if you don't if you don't have a plan you end up where you didn't plan there's some saying that goes like that but yeah, yeah you got to have some kind of plan or you're going to end up with results that maybe you didn't quite want yeah that's dope uh someone's dropped one in the question box can you see these when i get them up i should be able to and Saquon, says, yeah create an experience exactly does KM Dance Academy have an age limit for membership? It doesn't have an, an age limit. Um, we kind of, it's typically between like, I would say like 18, 19 to 24, just naturally because of life. But it's not all we, uh, it's not all we allow. There's, there's, there's maybe pockets of people that are, little bit younger than 17, 18. And there's people mm -hmm. that are definitely older than 25. We have a couple of 29, 30 year olds uh, in there as well. So no, there's no age, age limit on membership. So, and then you've got, what advice do you have for dancers when it comes to finding a mentor? That's a nice question. That's a great, that's a really great question. That's a really, really great question. Um, your first mentor, I would try to start with somebody who's like close, like you have easy access to. Um, I wouldn't like reach for somebody in LA right away because uh, they're harder to get in contact with. And if you don't have a relationship with them, it's going to be challenging. So I would start with someone close or someone you know or you're aware of that's local to you, that you look up to. And um, I would definitely try to find someone who's a mentor in dance. And I would simply ask, when it comes to finding a mentor, I would ask, or I, I would simply just spend time in their class consistently. Be consistent, you know? Mm -hmm. um, don't be one of those dancers that just like shows up twice and is like, oh, they didn't book me, so I'm not going to class no more. Like, we see that, we, we know, we know, we're aware. <laughs> uh, so yes, be consistent and make sure their goals in a, align with your goals. And I would try to find a mentor outside of dance as well. I would mm -hmm. try to find a mentor that's just successful in something totally different. And 
and really make sure somebody you respect because they're going to tell you things that you may not want to hear all the time. Yeah, that's, 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 that, would, that would be my most important one. Someone that you trust that will be honest with you and not just throw light up your ass and be like, you're great, you're great. Like you want someone to be like, no, that wasn't, you weren't great at that one. Like if someone can be brutally honest with you and tell you when you're not good, that's a good mentor. You don't want someone who's just going to praise you from all the time. Your friends no. will do that. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, I don't, you, you'll get nowhere. Yeah, that's, I think that's probably my biggest one. Have someone that's going to be real with you, even if it's a different style of dance or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and, and until, until you find that, um, I would also recommend having like some kind of like accountability group, you know, you and your friends getting a group chat and just like motivate each other and keep each other on the right track, you know, all that kind of stuff. Be each other's kind of mentors and coaches. Mm -hmm. I, I used to have one of them for uh, when it comes to like fitness and training. I had a nice. group chat where we would just all say to each other, have you trained today? yeah 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 one person no get out then like go oh i'm not feeling it come on something is better than nothing just an accountability group and it does so much because then you feel like you're letting even when you're not feeling it you'll go i need to do this for me and for them so we're part of a team and after it there wasn't a time where you feel like i wish i didn't do that you know what i mean like right, it does absolutely. help so much and it's it's nothing you can just get three of your friends who have the same yeah. goal and you all go, what are we all doing on that day to take a step in the right direction? I love that. I, I need that. I need a fitness uh, group <laughs> like that. Help me. <laughs> Help me. Uh, then what if you can't find a mentor in your region? Someone said. Uh, if you absolutely can't, I would start, again, it's about being consistent. That's the only way to like... Think of a mentorship as like really building a relationship with somebody because that's really what it is. You're gonna have to have a strong relationship with this person. Um, I would say just being consistent with reaching out, with communicating to with them, supporting the things they do, dance or non-dance, um, and being super authentic about it. You know, mm -hmm. first start with why do you want a mentor and why do you want this person specifically to be your mentor. Know that first. Mm -hmm. You know before you pursue them. But yeah, I think it would be. Con I think it's just about being consistent. And oh, this is actually a good one: making sure you're doing the work on your own already. Make sure they see that you are pushing and you're challenging yourself. People want to help people that are already, you know, helping themselves. You know, mm -hmm. nobody wants to drag anybody along. If I if I see a dancer's really busting their ass, and I know like, oh, if they just tweak a couple things they can go to the next level i'm excited to work with that person you know mm -hmm. like i work with this girl Liv simone and i don't i, ne I never charge her like i asked to work with her because i see how hard she works like she she is the hardest working kid ever she's like 15 amazing incredible dancer I'm happy to help somebody like that. You know, that's easy. But somebody who's just looking for a handout, because a lot of people are not actually looking for a mentor. They're looking for like an easy shortcut to success. And even if you do have a mentor that's really successful, I don't think it's a beneficial to just put somebody on and not have them work for it because mm -hmm. they won't be able to handle the platform that they just are all of a sudden have. And they won't even be able to appreciate it. You know, I, I'm... I'm 
I'm pretty big on that. People earning earning their positions because I know I've always wanted to earn. I never wanted anything just like handed to yeah. me. You know, and I, I want to earn it. I think a mentor as well. You say, what if they're not in your region? You can have a mentor, I believe, without them even knowing that they're your mentor. Like, yes. say, say there's someone that you look up to, like, and they're in another region and you can't take their class. Okay, study that person. Like, before I could ever move to London or get to LA, like, I lived on YouTube learning from these videos and I would find every single thing that they may have said online and I'd go, that's my training and that's my education. And then yes. even before I went to LA and before I knew who like Misha Gabriel and Mike Gidalk were, they've never been my mentors in person, but they were always people that every move that they made or everything that they did, I was trying to see it. I was trying to figure out why. I was going, oh, they did this job. Well, how did they get on that job? Oh, damn, he can do ballet. That's why he's so dope and it makes sense why he's so, the quality of his movement is great in David Moore's class because he's a technical ballet dancer too. So maybe I should do that if I want to have that lane. You can find yes. a mentor without them even knowing that they're your mentor. And yes. you can learn from watching. Yes. The one thing I want to add to that, um, if you do decide to reach out to a mentor, I would say make sure you say something that just always be thoughtful. Mm -hmm. Don't just say generic stuff that everybody everybody says like for instance if somebody wanted me to mentor them something that would stand out to me because a lot of people ask for that is if they were like yo six months ago you posted this book and i i just finished it and i just started this new project blah blah blah, blah. i need help like something like that to where it's like okay you're paying attention you're doing the work yeah, you've already got started on something. I'm happy to help, you know, mm -hmm. because it's like you, you, you were, you were thoughtful, you were intentional, and you actually did something on your own before I came in to assist. Yeah, for sure. Mentorship is different these days because people just want popular car to know who they are. Facts. <laughs> Ah. This is true. This mm. is true. Uh, and mentorship is a new popular thing too. Mm. That was not a thing. I didn't really hear much about it at first. No, yeah. But um, but yeah, that is that's very true. I think people see these hot, yo, the people you see online, they're not all they're not great teachers all the time. Even if they're a famous teacher, doesn't mean they're actually a great teacher. And once you get to LA and experience them in person, you'll see that. And then also. Uh, they're not all good people <laughs> and, and mentorship is a whole nother level of training, teaching, coaching, and not everyone's a good mentor either. If people are selfish and they're only focused on themselves, they cannot mentor you. There's nothing no. they can do to help you because they do not care about you. <laughs> yeah. A mentor has to actually care about their mentees. Yeah. And then we have, any advice for preparing a visit to LA to take class except before actually moving there? Train, train, train. And mm. don't just take classes. Don't just take choreo classes. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and know, know why you're moving there. Yes. Understanding why you're going there. I feel like uh, moving to LA, and I can say this because I've experienced it. Moving to LA when I was 20, was like the check of success. It was like, if you were from the UK and you got a visa and you moved to LA, it meant you were successful. 
And I was killing it here in the UK by the time I was 22 and doing loads of jobs. And I got a visa within two years, three years of working. And I went to LA and I struggled my damn ass off. It was the mm -hmm. hardest hustle I ever experienced. And I never prepared myself for what it would be like whilst I was there. That was mm -hmm. my biggest mistake. It was like, I had a goal that when I get there, okay, Brian Freeman's done me a visa. I'm going to work for Brian Freeman. I didn't work for Brian Freeman once when I was in LA and he gave me my <laughs> visa. Like, so you have to be conscious of these things. Like, okay, Amy Allen convinced me to get a visa. I didn't work for Amy Allen once when I was there. Even though right. I worked for them quite a lot when they're in the UK and I had a good relationship with them, that didn't mean I was going to work with them when I was out there. Because what you need to remember is they've already got their, their connections out there. They've already got their cats out there. So when they're in your place and they were hiring me, I was part of that bubble here. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be part of that bubble there. And I never considered what I would do once I get there. I just assumed that I'd be employed by them. And that wasn't the case. So I had to figure out a whole new way of living and a whole new way of surviving and making an income. And I believe that is the thing that people don't think about. They just that think about the, the positives and you don't think about the negatives because we don't want to, of course. But it's real when you're there and you've run out of savings in three months and you go, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 And you, you really got to come to L.A. and like humble yourself, you know, because people kind of were aware of me in, in the beginning. Like I had some I had like a foundation of moving to L.A. that like on paper, you would be like, oh, he's going to be good. I didn't care about that at all. I didn't I didn't. I didn't just assume that because I have X, Y, and Z, oh, I'm going to kill it out here. I came out here and was like, I need to work just as hard, if not harder than everybody else, you know? Mm -hmm. And that really, that really helped me a lot. And I think what you just said, those, like, that was perfectly said. I absolutely agree. A lot of people need to hear that. A lot of people need to hear that. I remember getting to LA and everyone would see my CV or my resume. And they'd be yeah. like, yo, you've worked for all these people. Da, da, da. And I think everyone assumed that I'd be the next cool kid in town. You know what right. I mean? But that's not the reality because there's so many cool kids in town. You're right. competing against so many other people. So just be yeah. aware of those things that just because you're killing it here doesn't mean that that's going to carry over. It, it does for some people. Like if you're a Diana Matos, like, yeah. She's yeah. an alien. She's a unicorn. She's one in a million. Of course it's going to happen. Maybe don't use that as the benchmark. Yeah. You know yeah, I, mean? I think a lot of people will try to, they like think about the anomalies. They think about the people who like are so rare and they're like, oh yeah, I could go, I could go do that. That's how it worked for <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But you, you can't, you can't do that. You can't plan for things like that. And mind you, Deanna has worked her ass oh, off. Of, like, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, but things have gone crazy for her in a pretty, pretty short amount of time. But again, it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about training in your foundation, like a maniac, um, absorbing as much information as you can. Every single time somebody does a live conversation like this, you need to be tuned in. I don't care what you're doing. Tune in, take notes, study, 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 study. And like he said, like Kane said, like if you need to really figure out if LA is the place for you specifically, LA may not be the place, for, not may not be, it's not the place for everybody. Atlanta may be better, better for you. Florida may be better. New York may be better. London may be better, you know, wherever. And the, the industry is so global now that you can 
work in a lot more places now than you ever could before. So just find out what what's best for who you actually are, where you'll be happiest, you know? If I feel like I'll be happiest and I can see more success in another place, I'm out of here. I'm not gonna be in LA anymore, you know? I gotta be where my, my where I can continue to like pursue the mission, you know, mm -hmm. and advance my goals. Mm -hmm. And think about your life, your quality of life, not just your career. Because I was so focused on my career and driven about what dance career yeah. is. I never realized yeah. the quality of life that I give up, the relationships I lost, like yeah. the, the connection with being able to see my friends and family all the time. I never considered those things. I was just like so hungry to do a gig and to book these jobs that when I went there, I actually found myself like I was dancing all the dope classes. But then when I wasn't dancing, I was miserable as hell. Like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right, it, right. That was the, that's, it's about finding that balance. And I feel like when we're super hungry, and that's why most of the people who are like this are very successful, but you're just so blinkered on that one thing, you forget about all the other things. And there's a pros and cons to that. And you've got to figure out which is the right balance. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Um, we got one more in there somewhere. Uh, if LA isn't the place for me or others, how do we create a market that's solid enough to provide opportunities or training to get done? Mm -hmm. Wait, if LA isn't yeah, that's right. Solid enough to provide up or training to get dancers to LA. If if that's the case, then you have to be the opportunity. Mm -hmm. You have to be Paris in in New Zealand, Paris Global. She's the opportunity. Mind you, she has access, and she's like the top choreographer in the world right now. But, but she wasn't always. <laughs> she wasn't always. People were coming to her studio for her. Not because J-Lo, not because Rihanna, not because of all the other artists she's worked with. They were coming for her, you know? And it's the same, there's a style called Gaga. Do you know what Gaga is? No. It's, it's like, a, it's a, I think it started in, in Israel. If anybody knows more about it, go ahead and comment and teach us. But um, uh, I forgot the dude who started its name, but it's this unique way of training. It's for like modern dancers, contemporary dancers, all that kind of stuff. Very, very unique way of training. And he's not like super like viral famous, but everybody in, in that community knows about him because of his training methods and tactics and the results he's able to get, you know? Mm -hmm. He is the opportunity. People don't go to him because they're gonna get to do a job. They literally will go there just to train with him, just to experience it, you know? Mm. So I think you you have to be, same with like Ray Hata, there's a lot of studios all over the world that are nowhere near LA that are doing well because the dancers respect it and they want that training and they want to, they want, they want not, an opportunity for a job, but an opportunity at becoming the person that they envision in their head, mm -hmm. you know? And if you can provide that in one way or another, then then they'll come. Dope, man. Yo, bro, this has been so dope. Thank you so much for saving my Saturday night podcast. And I'm so glad yes. we can finally make it work, bro. It's been so Same, dope. man. Any, anytime, um, we're gonna have to do a, a, a re-up later. Yeah, I, when the world's back to normal right <laughs> um for everyone still on thank you so much for tuning in um i have next week's lineup is someone said one more question you drop that question and i'll speak and then we'll answer it after before we bounce um <laughs> next week's lineup i've got super dave on monday 
which I imagine will have about six listeners and should have 600. So like, yeah. <laughs> it's not very often Super Dave talks in a place like this. So please people utilize the opportunity because everyone that you probably look up to, he's probably taught them or choreographed them and you don't know it. Um, then Tuesday, I've got Wildebeest. And then Thursday, I've got Taya Shauki, who's from Israel, as we were just talking about Israel. Uh, she's on tour with Ariana. And then Friday, we've got Marvelous. So nice. we've got peeps, but Super Dave, please people tune in because. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Make sure you tune in. Super Dave has a wealth of knowledge. If you don't know who he is, go do your research right now. Um, and, and anybody that's Kane, bring, Kane is bringing on, tap in. Who, who knows? You never know. Like, you never know what you can learn, what you'll pull from somebody you didn't even never know before or hear of. And yeah. smart, smart we Mark, shut up. You're an idiot. We just had, um, is Anton a real crumper? Nice. <laughs> I've seen him crump. He's good. <laughs> you don't uh, want it, Mark. You don't want it. Like we've had Marty on, we've had Edmore, we've had Amy Allen, CJ, and then Tobias Ellahammer. Like we've had big UK people, which maybe if you're abroad, you won't know of, but they've all had careers in this. Even I've had musical theater people. Like you can nice. learn from these people. My favorite thing about these podcasts besides, um, I guess other people learning is that I get inspired every single time or I learn yes. something every single time and I'm coming towards like the end of my dance career. So if you're on the up, you can learn so much because I'm on my way out and I'm learning loads every time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Thank you bro, again for Thank you so much. Man. Much respect, no doubt. bro. One love, bro. Please stay safe and I hope to see you the other side. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you will. Thank you for listening to the Ins and Outs podcast. Please share the podcast with your friends and family. We need as many people listening to this and educating themselves as possible. Also, please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If you struggle with how to do it because it's a bit of a nightmare, please don't be afraid to contact me. I will guide you all the way through it. It means a lot to us. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Bye.